This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Brought to you as it usually is by Pizzaville, pound 3636. Time is 518, and I welcome to the studio uh, three people who I, at this point, can say I know well, some longer than others, but know them all well. Reverend Dr. Sherry DeNovo, minister at Trinity St. Paul's Center for Faith, Justice, and the Arts, and a former colleague MPP, she for Parkdale High Park, NDP. Hi there. Hi, great to be with you, the Shermanator. Always terrific, the Shermanator. That's what they called me. You know what? That's my Twitter handle, Shermanator. And then the, you guys picked it up and called me that at the uh, at the legislature, and I can't escape it. So I'm the Shermanator forever. There you go, great All handle. Right. Indeed. And uh, Carleen Nation is a media strategist at One Nation PR in Toronto. She's a former reporter and a producer with CTV. Hi, Carleen. Hi, Peter. Happy to be here with you and also a broadcaster out in Peel Region as well. You're, you're on the yeah, air. You're on yeah, the air. So I'm Region. happy to do that as well. A fellow broadcaster <laughs> coming to the competition and <laughs> playing her trade. Well, that's great. Yeah. And David Sparrow is here. He's the president of ACTRA National, my one-time union, the union representing performers across Canada, uh, and he ran in the Toronto municipal election in 2014. See, we have a connection everywhere. Absolutely. Politics is in this room, alive and well, and shaking things up. All right, Mr. <laughs> Union Man, David Sparrow, let's get into this. This is a kind of an interesting subject I covered briefly in the last hour, and uh, in, in Japan, they changed the law. This is kind of, a, it makes me squeamish on the one hand. On the other hand, we have to discuss it because the question really is, because science can do something, does it necessarily mean that science should do something? And what there's there's a guy in, in, in Japan, and uh, he's gotten the government to lift the uh, regulations there that say that if you're going to splice genes and create a new form of life using two forms of life, in this case, human and rat, um, to beyond 14 days, to allow him to grow something that is in the embryonic stage, in other words, full term. And why is he doing that? Why do you want to create something that's a marriage of rats and humans? The answer is, from his perspective, because you can help a lot of people by using that medium to grow a human pancreas, for example, inside a rat and then use it for transplant. That makes some sense to me. On the other hand, I read these, they're not quite science fiction stories because there are people who say they're true. I guess you'd say conspiracy theorist stories who say hey, the chimeras, which is what the marriage of, of these two species or any two species are called, this is actually being done in places like China. I don't know if that's true, and I certainly wouldn't say that it is, but that's the stuff that's out there. Should this kind of research be allowed, Sherry? Uh, it makes me very squeamish. And, and here's the core problem. The core problem is we don't have enough organ donors. And you know, Peter, that this was an issue when we were even at Queen's Park. Um, and there are countries that have what they call presumed consent, where if you, you don't have to fill out, you know, your health card or whatever, say you will, give, you will give your organs. You say you fill it out. If you say you won't. And they have far more donors. We need to do something about upping our donors. I think that's a more logical and less scary alternative than starting to grow organs. Um, now, should they or shouldn't they? I mean, th it raises all sorts of ethical concerns, but bottom line, we need more organs. If you haven't filled out your card, here's an opportunity. Make a public service announcement. Fill out the card. Donate your organs. Then we won't even have to talk about this. Isn't your old colleague, I'll give her a plug, Frangelina, reintroducing her private member's bill to do that? The well, it, it was originally, yeah, uh, Peter, uh, uh, what was his name? It'll come back to me. But I mean, it, I introduced a bill. It's been introduced probably in every session 
to make presumed consent the law of the land. Um, Presumed consent is the negative option. You're giving your organs unless you say you're not. Unless you say you're not. Now, there's still hoops to jump through, and and your next of kin still have a say, um, even in countries where presumed consent is part of their lexicon. But, I mean, bottom line is we we can do something now, and that is you can fill out your card. Okay, so I think the slogan is, don't be a rat, donate your organs. I I (laughs) suppose, but we've got... We've made the transition from uh, this concept of splicing genes and creating new life forms to grow organs into whether or not you should be donating your organs on the basis of it's going to happen unless you say no, as opposed to it's going to only happen if you say yes. We can marry it all, and that's no problem. But let's go to Carlene now and ask you, you, you've heard the story coming out of Japan about creating these new life forms so that we can have an endless supply of organs. Are you buying it? The Japanese government uh, told the scientists that if the organ grows to more than 15%, then they have to end it. It has to stop there. If it grows to over 30% in this animal, then it starts to grow and and be part of the brain of the animal. (sighs) Then you have a situation now where you have this hybrid human rat or human pig uh, because they're looking to grow the organs in pigs and uh, and I'm like, at some point, they're approving now 15%. And then at some point, they'll approve 30%. There's no controlling these mad scientists. Okay? So, so you I say respect, they're mad scientists. I respect science. I, I, I don't respect this. And the other thing is, it's not going to be something that people can use anytime in the near future. This might be 30 years down the road. But then, do you want an organ that was grown in a rat or an organ grown in a pig? I don't know. Um, well, let's, let's ask somebody whose last name is that of an animal. It's Mr. Sparrow. Now, yes, but I'm only, 15%, I'm only 15% Sparrow, <laughs> right. so there you go. Um, you know what? I think, I think the bigger question here uh, that in, informs all of this just because scientists can, should they? Uh, my wife is a nurse. She and I frequently have conversations about news articles that are about, oh, science is right on the cusp of extending human life to 200 years. We already have 7 billion people on the planet. They say now by 20... Now can afford five, a house in Toronto for that, $5 million right. dollars and get a 100-year mortgage. There you go. By 2100, they expect there could be 12 billion people on the planet. Every one of these things that we're doing to presumably extend all of human life is going to have such a massive impact. We're not going to be able to have any quality of life for human beings when we're packed in that deep. And so I just ask, you know, as science looks at what they can do, they really have to ask some moral questions. Should we actually pursue this or should we focus on quality of life for the people who are here and not necessarily on extending everything for everyone? I don't extend this topic beyond what it's worth i think i think that we're all sort of agreeing that this is step very lightly on this thing because this is this is quite what i said and and you've echoed if you just because you can doesn't necessarily mean that you should agreed Um, but the whole the whole idea of it comes back to disruption i mean disruption isn't something as simple as should uber exist in the same place as cabs it's disruption of how we deal with medical science and technological manipulation to be able to do things that uh, would necessarily 
necessarily result in the degradation of life on a planet where there are already enough people who have a degraded life, Sherry. Absolutely. And, and you know, uh, you got to think of those people on the list that are waiting for organs and that are facing death if they don't get them. And sadly, there are way too many of them and the wait is way too long. So I understand the impulse behind this. But absolutely huge ethical questions have to be asked. And, and, and again, it comes back to the simple lack of organs being offered by people who can. So let's do that and, and let's put a hold on, you know, Know, the kind of science that is, you know, it raises all sorts of ethical questions, including, you know, around pain in animals. I mean, that's a whole issue as well uh, as, as you know, religious issues. And, uh, and almost every religion has something to say about this. So simple answer, fill in your card, do it now. Don't think twice. You've got that Save in twice. A life. You know, you're a good salesperson. Save a life, yes. Bar- Barbara Streisand's dog died. So what did she do? She didn't go out and adopt another dog. She cloned the dead dog. (laughs) Okay. You know what I'm saying? So she cloned the dog. So she's got the clone, two clones of this dead dog. Just because you have the money doesn't necessarily mean you should. There you go. So, I I mean, (laughs) that's a classic example there of the arrogance of, of, of this woman, and then to tell the world that she's got these cloned dogs. So cloning pigs, cloning these animals is only going to lead to cloned people at some point That's down right. the road. That's right. I'm so important, and I have so much ability <laughs> that I'm going to wind up creating another one of me. Maybe not. <laughs> David, final words on this one? Just going to say that that uh, Streisand dog, hell of a singer. <laughs> Okay, it is uh, coming up on 528. There's something else I want to uh, hit before we take a break. Um, there's there's a granddaughter of Robert F. Kennedy, 22 years old. She died uh, the last uh, 24, 48 hours after an overdose at the family's well-known for umpteen years compound in Hyannisport, Massachusetts on Cape Cod. Um, and, and that's tragic. I mean, we hear of opioid overdoses everywhere. Uh, now this family is beset with uh, that loss. And um, her grandmother is the widow of Robert F. Kennedy, who, of course, was assassinated during his presidential run many years ago. Uh, I, I, there's something that every time you hear a Kennedy story, you know, whether it goes back to Chappaquiddick and Senator Edward Kennedy or the assassination of Robert Kennedy, the assassination of John Kennedy, the loss in a um, tragic private aircraft accident of John F. Kennedy Jr. just goes on and on and on. Is this family cursed, David Sparrow? So, no. This is a big family with many arms and branches. And if you sit, sat down with me for 10 minutes, I could tell you about an extended family member who was murdered, another extended family member who died of, 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 a, of a stroke at an early age. Someone else, you know, goodness, if it wasn't for health care, my father would have passed away at a young age due to medical emergencies. The point is, is the bigger your family, the more arms. They always tie these people back, regardless of their last name, to being a Kennedy because they're linked through through seven different generations. In this case, yes, it's a granddaughter of Robert, and so that's relatively close. But this is not a curse. This is human life on the planet, and people face these challenges, and, and we all do. Every family has, my tendency, has these things. My tendency, actually, from you know, my personal experience is you're probably right 
on the one hand. On the other hand, I come from the Sherman family, and you come from the Sparrow family, and neither of those families is anywhere near as world famous as the Kennedy family. Carlene Nation, your take on this? Ah, uh, I don't know. You know, are they cursed? <clears throat> you know, I I hate saying people are cursed. But man, so many of them have died under these bizarre store situations. You have JFK being assassinated, RFK assassinated. Their older brother died in a plane crash. Older sister died in a, a plane crash. You have other younger members drop dead, drug overdose. You have uh, Edward Kennedy with the Mary Jo Kopechny situation, leaving that young lady under the bottom of the river in a car that he crashed and kept her there. Because, and on and on. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know either. So I'll just put it. You're, you're the most spiritual of the bunch, I would assume. You're wearing your collar today. Is there such a thing as a curse? Uh, I, no, I, I really don't think so. I think if there is a moral to take out of the story, it's, it's that no matter how wealthy and powerful you are, and in, in fact, because you're wealthy and powerful and live in the public eye, uh, you are, in many cases, more susceptible to you know, uh, being assassinated, to having bad things happen. And so we should stop looking at them as if they're different from you and I, um, I in in any positive way necessarily. I mean, uh, again, the le- the lesson here, and the other lesson is there's 70,000 Americans who died of opioid overdoses last year, uh, and that's a threefold increase over, you know, a few years before that. I mean, this is a real problem, and if we're going to take something away from this young woman's death, it's let's do something about the problem. I was going to say, that what it says with, with respect to the family is it can happen to everybody, Absolutely. and it happened to them, and it can happen to you. Okay, we've got to take a break. Reverend Dr. Sherry DeNovo, Carlene Nation, David Sparrow, our panel for today on topics worthy of discussion. Peter Sherman for Oakley on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.